Hey guys, my name is Mavi and I've spent the last 14 years in the plastic surgery and beauty industry, working alongside top board certified plastic surgeons. In that time, I've helped thousands of women in their surgical journey. My passion to educate and help women feel empowered is what led to what we now know as the Big Butts No Lies podcast. Join in on the fun as I talk to plastic surgery experts, friends, and real life patients about all things plastic surgery. Should be fun. Hey guys, have you ever wondered what questions other people are asking right before surgery? What feelings they're having? What questions they have? Maybe what? What's making them anxious? Well, this episode is a three-part series. We have a very special guest and we're going to walk you through the whole process. Young lady patient right here is going through a combo procedure and you guys will hear her and I talk before her surgery, right after surgery, and once she's healed. This hopefully will help you if if you have any questions, if you're going or you're thinking about the process, and it'll help you understand what other people are feeling. Sometimes you feel like maybe you're scared or you're anxious or the questions that you're asking are dumb. There's no dumb questions. Everything is valid. We all want to know everything before we go under the knife. Our special guest today, Diana. Hi. She is also the Faha doctor, but today she's not the Faha doctor. She is our patient, Diana, and we are going to answer her questions and also teach. I already know what questions she has. Okay, so we'll go through these questions, beginning, middle, end. Diana, I'm super excited to have you on. I know you. you already went through surgery once. What procedures did did you have the first time? So September 2021. No, no, no. 2020. Sorry. What year is it? Oh my God. (laughs) Yes. September 2020. I had my surgery with the GOAT of BBLs, Dr. Azizi here in Chicago. It was absolutely life-changing. I had uh, a max lipo 360 with BBL, some hips. He lipoed my FUPA. (laughs) 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 He lipoed my FUPA no more. No more FUPA. He lipoed my chin. He lipoed my buffalo hump. For those of you who are not familiar with that, it's a genetic fat, fatty deposit on the top of your neck. And I heard Cardi B lovingly referred to it as bison back. So it's not <laughs> I've thing. never heard that. <laughs> she did. She, had, she did a story on that. It was hilarious. Talking about you bison back, B words, blah, blah, blah. Oh. Anywho, <laughs> I, I felt attacked when she said that. But it was also very hilarious. But either way, that was something I, I uh, suffered from and tried to hide my entire life. And Dr. Azizi freed me from it. So that first round was a fabulous experience. But I also was a higher BMI patient, still am. So obviously, it's, it's, it takes a little bit more work. So he definitely he was very aggressive with my liposuction and my midsection and everything, which he blew my mind and all my expectations out of the water with what he was able to accomplish. And I absolutely love him. My experience with him was the bomb.com. And I'm also now choosing to go back to him because I have from the liposuction just a little bit of loose skin in a way it right beneath my belly button that I would really really like to address like when I stand straight it's pretty flat but when I bend over I can see it kind of drooping over so that has been getting on my nerves lately so I wanted to go back to him to just get that re-snatched one last time 
Additionally, and this is something that a lot of us deal with since birth, since I can remember really, my right side of my body has always been smaller than my left. My right butt cheek is smaller. My right hip is small. Like literally everything on the right side is just smaller. Even my face, like I can see it. Others don't see it, but I can see it. But that's so, not un- that's not uncommon. Our, exactly. Our sides are completely different. They're sisters. Exactly. If you put a, a line down the midline, it's sisters, but yep. nobody is exactly the same on both sides. Yeah. Yeah. So my, and this, the same thing applies to my right butt cheek. So I also, and this is since day one, my left cheek, I had moderate cellulite, but on my right cheek, I had severe cellulite. So while Dr. Azizi literally did magic, my right cheek, I feel I could just use a little bit more TLC that it was just too tight the first round for him to be able to do more to it. So now we're going back in doing a fine tune. I'm also throwing in some back lipo because these tatas in the back, you know, we, <laughs> we, we don't mind. We don't mind getting them cut off. And since I'm already under, I mean, you know what it is. Might you as know well. how we do this, but might as well, right? Get, <laughs> so get it all, all done all at once. That, exactly. So in short, this time around, I'm going under to get a mini tummy tuck. And you guys, if you listened to Mavi's episode on tummy tucks, explain. You should know the difference between a regular tummy tuck, extended, and a mini tummy tuck. Yes, thank you for (laughs) that. I was listening, okay? (laughs) I was listening, Mavi. So uh, mini tummy tuck for me, as mentioned before, above my belly button, skin looks good. Like there's, I mean, the stretch marks are almost invisible. It's like very, very little stretch marks. But under my belly button, that's where that's my little problem zone. I like to refer to it as a little kangaroo pouch. So we want to get that thing cut off. And uh, Dr. Azizi will likely give me a slightly shorter scar. Not too much shorter, but it's not going to be as big as like, if, you know, if it was like a whole full tummy cup. But that's special. That's that's just based on me requesting that. Typically, the scar length from what I keep hearing from my clients is the same, regardless if you're getting a full or a mini tummy tuck. Do you agree with that, Mavi? So usually a regular tummy tuck, it's a full scar mini tummy tucks are more central so your scar is more like right in the middle right below your belly button a little bit extending over to the left and a little bit to the right but still very central so you're not going out into the hips like a full tummy tuck the tummy tucks that i the mini tummy tucks that i see are always very short scarred i don't see many tummy tucks that are mini with large scars Got it. Got because it. if you call, yeah. if you're gonna get a mini tummy tuck, like there has to be barely enough to pull. Like there has to be, you can't have a lot of skin that needs to be removed and get away with getting a, a mini tummy tuck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I'm also like again part of the mini tummy tuck. I'm not getting muscle repair and I'm not getting a new belly button. So that's really the main difference here. And then so mini tummy tuck, kind of a partial. I don't even know if we can call it a BBL because it's kind of partial. I'm still playing with the thought of whether or not I want to ask him to use some of that harvested fat to put in my left cheek. I don't know. Haven't decided that one. Let me, okay. Let me tell you something. I was going to make a whole episode on this and I I still might. What happens when you gain weight after a BBL? And I'm talking from firsthand experience because I had my BBL in 2017 and then I stayed at the pretty much the same weight. And then over COVID, I gained about 15 to 20 pounds somewhere in there. I honestly didn't even weigh myself, you guys, because 
I don't need that type of negativity in my life. But I know that my pants were fitting me tight and they were not fitting me the way that I like them to. And when I finally, yeah, when I finally did step on the scale, it was 15 pounds over where I was. But I know I had already lost a little bit when I finally stepped on the scale. So I don't even know like highest what I got to. But with that said, my ass got out of control. (laughs) I'm not playing. My butt got so big to the point where I'm like, okay, like I, this, I cannot have my ass this big. (laughs) Like I need to lose weight. (laughs) So that was really one of the main reasons why I was like, I have to get my weight under control again. And it's so easy, you guys, to get a BBL, get lipo 360 BBL, tummy tuck, get, look, fly. And then you start eating because you're like, I look good. I'm, I'm having fun. I'm living my best life. Da, da, da. And then 20 pounds later, your ass is out of control. <laughs> no, yeah, I'm kidding. You know I'm what? kidding. It I mean, does it's get bigger. It's it does get bigger. Actually, yeah, because the fat was harvested from somewhere else. So it's going to continue behaving the way that it was. Exactly. From at the harvest. Side. Exactly. So course, if, if you if you gain weight. Yeah. It's, the booty is going to get bigger. The booty is going to get know bigger. What? That makes me think that I do have a lot of clients for my Faha alterations business who uh, are like 18, 19, 20 getting BBLs. And if if they're anything like me, man, like the moment you hit 30s, you know, that number on the scale goes up. So yeah, ladies, please, please be aware of that. And you know what? One more thing before we go back to the original topic, I'm starting to notice like, I mean, famous example, Kim Kardashian, she actually got a butt reduction. No, so, I don't think she got a butt reduction. I think Kim, I posted about it on my Instagram, actually, where you see the post where she was like super, her butt was uh, cellulite and just big and just it looked too big. She was wearing that white shirt with like tied up shirt. Yeah. That's what my butt looked like at the height. Like when I gained those 20 pounds, like that is literally where I was. And then you're thinking it was just weight. Yeah. I identify with those pictures because Mm. you, I, what my butt looked like that when I gained, you know, 20 pounds. And then right now that I'm back to my normal weight, it's looking what it looks like, what she looks like now, which is more like a thin, more athletic build. Mm -hmm. So I, Mm. I think that she just gained a little bit of weight. And then now she's losing it. And you can tell in her shoulders and her arms and her face and her neck her legs and her legs. You can see that she gained weight and lost it. I honestly don't think she reduced it. I think she just got uh, with a good trainer and diet. And mm. actually somehow, you know, the dark rabbit hole that is Instagram. I ended up on somebody's Instagram. <laughs> that they were talking about how she had a butt reduction and I was looking at her pictures. I honestly don't know who it is. If you asked me to find it, I probably couldn't even find it again. But for her, they were like, oh, she probably went and got a gastric bypass and that's why she's so skinny oh, no. and blah, blah, blah. Oh, no. Oh, and my God. now I'm looking at these pictures. I'm like, you guys, she just lost a little bit of weight. Like, it's fine. It's okay. Our bodies are going to fluctuate no matter what. Like you have to stay on it, you know, be 100% committed to not gaining or losing for you to not fluctuate. And I, these young girls, you guys definitely risky. It's risky because we don't, we don't know. Yeah. Please think about what your butt is going to look like when you're in your sixties. 
Like, don't just think about what it's going to look like right now. Yeah, we want it to look good and you want to enjoy it right now. But enjoying it right now. And like, I've seen some like round three BBLs where it's just ginormous. And I'm thinking in my, I'm thinking like, what is that going to look like? One, after she has kids, because this girl that I saw didn't even have kids yet. Oh, right, right. Because that changes things a lot. When you have kids, your body changes drastically so much much. and i'm just thinking like thank god i didn't (laughs) thank god when i went in for my second surgery when i had my breast done thank god i didn't get more fat put in my butt because it would have looked like that after Mm. those 20 pounds that i gained so what i'm trying to say is if it's just a little bit on that right butt cheek to make it the same yeah go for it but if you're gonna do like a whole Round 2000 CC BBL, I would probably say, hold on. Yeah, this is actually, this is definitely giving me some uh, things to think about. This is good good perspective. My husband, he likes to say, how is that thing going to (laughs) age? Yeah, it's true. How is it going to (laughs) age? Right. That's a very valid question. Well, and what I want to teach and what I want, you know, everybody to kind of get on the same page is you want to look, of course, you want to look sexy. You want to feel sexy. But you also want to be able to age well. And some of these things that I'm seeing on Instagram that girls are doing, like the silicone butt injections, like that's not going to age well. These super, super XL BBLs, that's not going to age well because one, it's going to stag. You guys, we cannot do anything about gravity, no matter what, no matter what your surgeon tells you, he cannot guarantee that your butt will not go lower on your booty, on your body. Mm -hmm. Your butt is going to sag eventually. Like everybody's butt's going to sag. It's not going to stay up there forever. So we have to think about what is it going to look like later, right? And trends fade. Remember in the 90s, it was super large, you know, these big double D Pamela Anderson implants. And then it went to, oh, no, a very more natural look. And then it's like, what about all the girls that got these huge implants? Now they're like, Oh, well, what do I do with these? And I, I've right. seen them come in because they're usually like in their 40s, close to 50, and they have these huge implants. They're coming in for us to either take them out completely and give them a breast lift or give them a breast lift and a much smaller implant or just give a smaller implant to start with. But they're coming back to modify what they did because they were going with the trend. Mm. I have a little bit of a story there, personal advice slash story. Tell so us. I have, and I think this should help. I hope this will help some others who are kind of like on the crossroads of whether or not to go big or not. So and big with boobs, big with uh, lipo, big with BBLs, whatever it might be. I remember very vividly since I was a little girl, I was very, very attracted to curvy women. And, and not not like in a way that uh, not like in a sexual way, uh, more of like just aesthetically. Mm-hmm. So I, re- I remember I was such a nerd. I, I liked anime. So there, there's <laughs> anime likes to they do. They like to exaggerate certain features. So like I would draw in my free time because, you know, that this is pre iPads. OK, Aww. so I would draw <laughs> I would draw in my free time and I would draw these beautiful curvy women that have the tiny, tiny waist, but thick thighs. And like a nice, nice matching butt. So I've always been attracted to this. And because of that, I felt very confident in my decision to pursue a BBL last year. 
So I knew I was going to love it. I've always loved it. It's not like I started to, to watch the Kardashians and got influenced by that. So it, it's more about I knew for a fact I love that look. That shape. And mm-hmm. Yes, that shape is absolutely gorgeous to me. I love it. I totally like I'll be happy looking like this going forward. So that to me was a deciding factor, you know. Just, yeah, of just course. Look back and at your past and think about it. And right. you are doing it for reason, like for your own reasons. And, you yes. know, I've talked about it on the podcast before where I say whatever reason it is, as long as it belongs to you and it's you're doing it for your yourself and not yes. for any outside reasons, then go for it. Absolutely. You're going to love Absolutely. it. Absolutely. If anything, I think that's, that's actually kind of healthy. Like, you know, make yourself happy. Pursue what you want. We get we get our nails done. You know, we dye our hair talked about this before mm-hmm. so why not why not you know get a little bit of body sculpting a little so, bit just a little bit of help guys <laughs> yeah and it's more it's just like you know how makeup naturally like it enhances your natural features i feel like these procedures enhance our natural features exactly. or help with certain just things that we feel insecure about and it's okay to feel insecure like i don't know why people make it seem like oh she's insecure like uh no, who cares? We all have some. Who cares? We all deal with stuff. And yeah. where everybody has, has their own insecurities. Totally. And whoever totally. says that they don't is lying. They're There's lying. no way that <laughs> you are living life, not not being, you know, insecure about something. I know well, like, those, uh, yeah. those people that are like, oh, I would never get my body done. You know, you're just insecure and you're just this and so much hate. First and so second, hate. I'm sure if you had the finances available, you probably would do it. Yeah. And I think Absolutely. maybe them like I don't want to say it, but it's like, girl, don't do not lie and tell me that if you had the funds available, you wouldn't be getting your body done mm, mm. because we know you would. And if you yeah. tell me you wouldn't, you're lying. Now you're trying to yeah. prove a point. Now you're doing it to saying no to prove a point. Yeah, because we all just want to look beautiful. We all just want to feel good. We all just want to look, you know, how we feel on the inside, on the outside. Right. And there's nobody that should be raining on your parade. All my life, I have been working really hard on making sure that my insides are good. And I need a little bit of help with the outside. And that's okay. I just want to be the, the best version of myself. And since I've had that first round, Oh my God, like I treat other people with so much more love. Like I'm just more happy on the inside, which now reflects outward. Yes. And that's exactly what I've been talking about. If you've listened to any of the previous episodes, you'll know how I talk about you just live more happy. I don't even know yes. how to explain it to you guys. I yes. don't, I can't put it into words other than I, I feel like I'm even a better mom. Yes. Because I feel better about myself. Absolutely. Better wife, everything. Be- uh, yeah, I'm a better partner because I feel yeah. better about myself. I f- I'm yes. like, I'm more willing to be adventurous and do things that I wouldn't, I would have normally been shy to do because mm. now I'm like, hell yeah, let's do this. I'm ready. See, that's why I'm trying to get that little stomach flap cut off. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> For that very reason. <laughs> Girl, I'm sure he doesn't notice it anyway, but let's get it done. All right. So let's let's <laughs> let's get into these questions. So go with your first one. Let me pull it up. All right. So 
I am aware, quick preface, I know a lot of things, but there's a lot of things I also don't know. And this right here for me is the opportunity to not only help others by, you know, documenting this journey, but also, you know, to learn more things, which I, I, I strongly believe will positively impact my future entrepreneurial endeavors with the Faha doctor. But yes, so I know for a fact that after tummy tucks, people have to, you know, walk at an angle for a little bit, just simply because it, you're going to feel all that pressure and you want to try to alleviate the pressure off that freshly put together scar. So I know that I will be hunched over, but do you have insight into how, how that's different for a mini tummy tuck being that as previously discussed, the scar is also going to be smaller and have less skin to be removed than like a full tummy tuck would be. Okay. Like, what's your insight? So I can tell you that patients who have mini tummy tucks usually recover a lot faster just mm-hmm. because they're not having that abdominal work, that muscle work, which is what right. causes so much pain uh, during your recovery after surgery. It's that muscle work that really is what makes the pain more intense, which is why you'll mm-hmm. probably know like coughing, using the restroom, even laughing, laughing. Yeah. I, when I had my surgery, <laughs> I would tell my husband, do not make me laugh. Do not make me laugh. I swear to God, if you make me laugh. And of course he would make me laugh. And I'm like, oh, oh, no. I'm, I'm like tears. tears. Me. Yeah, I'm like tears sliding down my cheeks. Like, please stop. <laughs> Have mercy. <laughs> oh my God. So they, you it. recover a lot faster when you have a mini, but you don't want, you don't want to put any pressure or any like uh, pooling on that scar initially, because that's why sometimes, and I can talk personally for myself, you guys, I had a combo procedure when I had my surgery in 2017. I did a tummy tuck, a lipo to my flanks and back and a BBL. And I did all of that at one time. So did you have a full tummy tuck? I had a full you tummy did. tuck. Yeah, I had an oh, extended. Man. My scar is all the way out to my to my hips, like past my okay. hip. And I when when I was going in, I told him, I do not care how long you make my scar, as long as you make it, as long as you give me the shape that I want. Yeah, so makes sense. Yeah, he, I gave him do whatever you need to do. Just make me look like this. <laughs> yeah. So. That mini tummy tuck scar, it's not going to be as painful. I think you're going to be more in pain from the lipo, honestly. Oh, yeah. I already know. And, you know, I'm throwing, I'm adding in J plasma for my entire back to make sure it's like as snatched as possible. So I already, I am anticipating heavily for my back to to be the worst. But it's it, okay. Hey, it it's is. worth it. It's it worth is. it. But it's so, so worth it. And honestly, Girl. when you get mm. into your faja, I mean... What do we say it is? It's a warm hug. <laughs> yes, it's a nice warm hug. I already know how to combat the, the the feeling of discomfort as much as possible through compression. So I, I already bought some new garments and some upper back compression and everything to make sure that I will feel better. But yes. Yes. And okay, so this is what I'm going to tell you as far as walking and all, you know, getting around. Honestly, you're, I don't think you're going to be having that hard of a recovery with the mini. I think you're going to be more focused on the lipo, to be honest. Yes, you, I, think, I think so too. You will be hunched over slightly, but not to the degree of a regular tummy tuck at all. How, how long do you think that will last? 
I don't think it'll last very long. Maybe max a week. Okay. I don't okay. if I can, I can if do even that. Some I'm, I've that. had patients who come in with a mini tummy tuck, walking straight straight up this first time we see them in the office, which is usually mm-hmm. about two to three days later. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you might not walk hunched over at all. So which brings me to the next concern of how am I going to sleep now? In my personal case, I have a left cheek that I can lay on. So that's already (laughs) very, very, very helpful. But, you know, still, like how would someone who gets a full BDL with a mini tummy tuck or a regular tummy tuck, how do they sleep? Okay, this is how I did it. I was telling you earlier, you know, that video on uh, TikTok when you're training a new employee and you're like, this is how I do it. This is not how you're supposed to do it, but this is how I do it. This is how I do it. did not get a recliner. I wanted to sleep in my bed. I am one of those people that I don't sleep well unless I'm in my I'm in my bed. So mm-hmm. what I did is I arranged a fort of pillows that was ready for me. And it was like a warm hug. I would slide Aww. into it. So I had pillows. It's almost like you're sleeping on a bed of pillows and the the middle the part where there is no pillow is your butt. So you put... Also on your back, in my head, I was envisioning you like piling up a whole bunch of pillows in the middle and laying your hips in the middle so that your butt is essentially sticking out in the air. No. So no, you're going to sleep on your back. Okay. What you're going to do, and this is how I did it, and this is how I usually recommend in clinic that our patients do it, is you sleep with the pillows behind your back lower back and then you sleep with pillows underneath your legs and your knees so your butt is essentially floating yeah floating kind of it's it's (laughs) you don't have the full pressure of your weight on it Mm -hmm. and it's more helpful like for full tummy tucks when you're in that like i was in a hunched over position and it still helped me to sleep with a pillow behind my back and a pillow under my knees because I was still in that position. You know, your knees are you, still up. Did you need help getting out? Oh, yeah. I would get help. My mom, who took care of me during my recovery, she would help me in and out of bed. And it really was only for like, let me think about it. My surgery was on a Wednesday. You know that this is how I did it, but this isn't how you do it. My surgery mm-hmm. was on a Wednesday and I went back to work on Monday. Stop so. it. <laughs> yes. Yeah. No. <laughs> Bad mommy. Yeah. So don't do it like me. But <laughs> I was feeling like tip top by two weeks. I was nor I was back to normal. I felt. Oh, wow. And it, I hmm. think it had to do with, you know, getting up. I didn't sit and recover and just like focus on recovery. Like I was trying to uh, get my blood flowing, walking. I would get up, you know, every couple of hours. I wasn't really laying for very long. That's just my type of personality, though. I cannot lay down and like <laughs> I know, not I can't, work. I can't, I can't sit still either. I remember <laughs> from my BBL recovery, I was constantly moving around because it also relieved my back and neck pain from constantly having to lay on my stomach. So that was great. And I also remember I, was, I had a hard time getting up by myself out of the bed first about three to four days. But after that, like you, when you have a BBL, you have to like push yourself up out of the bed. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. My, my arms were just, I, I just felt really weak. I was very swollen. I was 
heavier because of all the fluids still inside of my body. Mm-hmm. And it was just really hard. But after three to four days, I remember I was I was fine. Yeah, usually the first week is the hardest because it's when you're like, what the heck did I do? Why did I do this? This is so painful. But once you get over that, you're like, oh my God, this is the best decision I ever made. Yeah. Yeah, I can't wait. So pillows underneath your back, underneath your legs. So your your booty is suspended, you know, Mm -hmm. between the pillows. You're not putting any pressure on it. And I know... You guys, I one of the practices that I was uh, with, we did BBLs all day, every day. Like one of the surgeons that I worked with, he is a Latin doctor who has a lot of Latin patients and those girls like their booties. So we were doing BBLs all the time. And one of the questions that we would get so much is, can I sit on my butt? How long do I have to stay off my booty? All of those things. Now, there's two school of thoughts, right? One is do not touch it. Do not put any pressure on it. You know, stay off of it. Give the fat the best possibility to live. The second one is the fat's going to, whatever fat is going to survive is going to survive whether you sit on it or not. We don't want you to sit on it. We don't want you to, you know, put pressure on it, but we're not going to take your recovery to the extreme of, you know, not sitting on it for eight weeks. So with BBLs, if you're sitting on a soft surface, meaning maybe a pillow or a blanket or something really spongy, you're not hurting your fat. You're not hurting the fat. You're not. And it once it starts, like from what doctors, I've heard doctors tell patients is if the fat is dying, it's very, very painful. Like it hurts. You're sitting on your oh, butt wow. long enough that it hurts. So you know. So what this particular doctor, he's like, if you feel pain in your butt from sitting on it, get up. If you feel like you're sitting, even if you're on something spongy, but it starts to feel sore, get up. And that was really just the school of thought. So I sat on my booty on a pillow. I would carry a pillow with me at work. I would sit at my desk and sit on my pillow. Driving home, I would sit on my pillow. I would just sit on it. And I mean, my y'all seen my booty. It was my (laughs) fat stayed. Same here. I have to say same here. So for me. Just like you said, again, one of my most used quotes, listen to your body because <laughs> your body is going to tell you like it hurts, like you're you're going to be really sore when you sit on it. So your body is kind of going to force you to get up. I completely avoided sitting for three weeks, which was my surgeon's instructions. I mm-hmm. followed exactly what Follow he said. Follow your surgeon's instructions. Yes. Three weeks, I entirely avoided it. And then I slowly, slowly began to sit on a boppy pillow. I tried the BBL pillow. Oh my God. Worst, worst thing ever. They're too hard. They're too hard. They're so hard. So my BBL pillow ended up being my knee pillow because you know, you're going to be sitting on your knees a lot too. So (laughs) if you bought it, use it for your knees. But I strongly, strongly recommend a boppy pillow. You know, the ones that people put their little babies on. Yeah. 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 That's what I use. Shaped. Yeah. it It was so spongy. Like you said, I felt very comfortable sitting on it. That's what I used to drive on. And I, I put like a mush together soft plush blanket behind my lower back for like a little bit more support. And that's how I was driving. But yeah, so after three weeks, I slowly in small short increments started sitting on soft surfaces and pillows. I could not personally sit without a lot of discomfort until two and a half months without anything. But I mean, it's perfectly fine. Like you, you're going to feel very relieved once you can start sitting on that body pillow. 
I cannot say that I lost any fat. I for sure lost a lot of swelling, but mm-hmm. everything that I had at week three, and I actually kept a measurement diary, was a completely identical still to this day. But my waist just kept getting smaller. So, mm-hmm. you know, the swelling again, just kept going down. Yeah, exactly. So, so that's how I recommend for patients to sleep when they're doing a combo case, sleeping in your bed with a pillow below your knees and uh, below your back. So your butt is suspended between the two pillows. You're not putting any pressure on it. It might be touching the bed, which is fine, you guys. Your your butt can touch things. It's okay. It'll be <laughs> touching the bed, but it, your weight is not on it. So you're you're not putting the whole weight of your body on your booty. If you have to mm-hmm. use two pillows, use two pillows. Just make it comfortable for yourself. I felt like I was a queen. I would lay on my <laughs> my bed of pillows. I had like one pillow for each arm, my pillow for underneath my knees and my back, my head pillow. And I would just lay there, close my eyes. Oh, and another thing is it helps you so you don't roll over. Because I know that's one of the things that people really get concerned about during a tummy tuck when they're sleeping in their bed or they're sleeping on their back. They're afraid that they might roll over in their sleep and hurt something. Having a pillow below your knees or underneath your knees stops you from rolling over. So you won't. I have to say, I was, my brain, even when it was asleep, was highly, highly aware of what was going on. And I, I never had a moment where I just like mindlessly turned over. You know, that was for my BBL recovery. I didn't. I think. It just depends on how heavy of a sleeper you are, because I've had, you know, women with breast augmentations who roll over onto their chest, you know, a day after surgery. And it's just because that's how they're so used to sleeping and maybe they're heavy sleepers and they just even they're you know, they're hyper vigilant. But, you know, you can't control what you do when you are out of your senses and your sleep. Yeah. But I mean, with a BBL, your butt's going to be like, ouch. Yeah, you'll you'll feel it. After (laughs) lipo, after lipo, you'll you'll know you're moving because you're so sore. Everything hurts. You'll know you're rolling over. I am going to collect all the pillows in my house. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, collect all the pillows. And build build a recovery fort in my bed. My husband's going to be upset, but it's all good. Sorry. Uh, (laughs) So another thing that I actually did when I was recovering that I was also thinking I might do when I'm not in my bed is I have a, like if you have a sectional or a couch that has ottoman or something, you could place them in a way where there's like, I don't know, probably like a 20, 15, 15 inch gap or like something like that between the ottoman and the chair. And you can sit on it in a way that your butt will be in that gap, if that made any sense. Oh, okay. I see. Yes. And that can be with a sectional. And again, use some pillows to soften things up everywhere. But I mean, inherently couches are already soft. Mm-hmm. So if you have, if you have a sectional at the house or ottoman or something, just separate the pieces, give yourself some space and try it out before you go into surgery so that you know exactly how it should look and be comfortable for you. Try it before you go in because afterwards it's going to be extremely difficult for you to try. So make sure you're prepared. But that's also another thing that I plan on doing, like when I want to sit in my family room and watch TV or something. Perfect. And you can, you guys carry your bobby pillow around with you wherever yes. you sit. Take take it with you. You sit in you sit on it. Put a black cover on it. Pretend it's, you know, something else. <laughs> so I want to know your experience in regards to when you first took a shower. First of all, 
how soon after getting a tummy tuck can you shower? And also, how what was your first reaction when you saw yourself naked for the first time? Oh my god. <laughs> okay, I have pictures. <laughs> I think I have pictures. Okay, so I always recommend for you to follow your doctor's instructions. Each doctor that I've worked with has different post-op instructions for showers. So I've worked with a surgeon who recommends not taking a shower until your drains are out. I've worked with a surgeon who recommends taking a shower 24 hours later. And I've worked with a surgeon who won't let you take a shower for 48 hours. And then after 48 hours, you can take a shower. So it really depends on your surgeon's recommendations. For my particular case, the surgeon that did my surgery, he allowed showers 24 hours later. And for me, my first shower was like the first time I felt like, okay, I'm I'm recovering. This Human. is getting back to normal. Yes. Yes. <laughs> it and is therapeutic. It it's was therapeutic very therapeutic. My mom was with me. My mom and my friend, my best friend, Diana, who's been on one of our previous episodes, she's our RN who would go do the home post-op home visits for our patients. So -hmm. she came and her and my mom, you guys, if you're shy, you're going to lose all shyness because there's no space to be shy. Oh, yeah. No. With the people who are your caretakers, they're going to see every piece and part of you. (laughs) <laughs> every everything. every inch of you will be exposed so just know and that's why it's important for you to have that conversation with whoever is going to be taking care of you and know that this person is going to be seeing you naked you need them to take help you take a shower after yeah so the mini tummy tuck might not be as hard the reason why i say that is okay when you do a full tummy tuck you're pulling skin from above the belly button down to the pubic hair okay so that's a big stretch right so that's pulling that skin far when you're doing Mm -hmm. a mini it's only that skin below the belly button that's getting pulled and it's probably not that much right it's like slightly it's just slightly so you're not they're not pulling as hard it's kind of like i'm trying to think of the right analogy Because it's like you're just, it's almost like you're ironing it out. Like you're just pulling it a little bit, pulling the wrinkles out of it. Where And you know what? I actually already, like I am pulling the little piece of skin that's bothering me. And I can even pull all the way, including lifting my vagina a little bit. I can stand straight comfortably. See, I I think you might not have an issue standing straight at all. Yeah. I think you might be one of those. Walking straight the first time I see you. (laughs) The listeners are going to find out in about 10, 15 minutes. I still have to wait a few weeks, but. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. That's true. Okay. So (laughs) let's go on to the next question. Yeah. So how, how was your, what was your first reaction when you saw you? Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. Yes. My first reaction when I saw myself after that first shower was damn, I'm bruised. I was Right. Because my surgeon was, I mean, he's a world renowned plastic surgeon for body contouring and he is not shy about Mm. beating you up because he has a goal. You know, he has a a vision and he's going to perfect it and do it. So when I got undressed for the first time and I had my drains and you guys get yourself a lanyard to put around your neck 
So you can clip your drains on it. Diana, you won't have a drain probably for your mini, but for a regular tummy tuck. Oh, he is going to give you, he is? Yep. I'm going to have two drains. He's a big fan of them because they, they can prevent a lot of issues like seromas and things like that. And personally, I love drains. I do too. I know you do. I heard the episode. (laughs) (laughs) I'm team drain, but a lot of surgeons don't do minis. A lot of surgeons don't do drains for minis. Mm-hmm. So this is good. I'm glad he is because it helps with your recovery. It helps pull all that all that fluid out. Good for you. So and by the way, oh, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Put your lanyard, put, you can hang your drains on your lanyard. That way you're not holding them. You're not having to, yes. you know, worry about them at all. And also from what Diana, my, our post-op care nurse, she told me she would see a lot of patients who had fold-out chairs with towels in the shower. So you you don't have mm-hmm. to go spend, you know, all this money on a recliner, on a, a walker, on these uh, all these things when you can turn ho- regular household items into what you need it. Like a folding chair, a you know, 15-20 folding chair from Walmart, you can put towels on it. And that can be what you use when you shower. You put it in your shower so you have somewhere to sit because you are going to be tired and a little bit of out of breath in that first yeah. shower. Yeah. And you don't um, want to be too tired to where, you know, you might slip or you might fall. You want to know you have somewhere clean and nice and you're not going to slide. Safe. Yeah. Yeah. You don't, I absolutely. want y'all to put towels on them because I do not want you to slide off of anything, which you guys... It might you. It could happen if it's so plastic. You're you're already you know being careful. You're probably holding your arms to your side. You're not having a lot of arm reach to hold on to things. We just want to make it as easy as possible. Prevent any accidents by being prepared. If you're gonna mm-hmm. when you're taking your first shower, get yourself a chair. And that first time I saw myself. First, I thought, oh, my God, I'm so bruised. And then I started crying because my stomach was gone. <laughs> oh, oh, my God, I'm so happy. Thank I, you, I God. can't wait. I can't wait. <laughs> and my but- butt, I was like, <gasps> at first, I thought, oh, my God, he made it too big. This is too big. It was too. Yep. At first, it was too big. Mine and as too. my swelling started to go down, I was like, okay, it's getting more normal. Oh, no, it's yes. going away. And then you start to miss it. And then you want more. <laughs> so, yeah, that's true. I really like what you said about, you know, being creative and not necessarily having to spend a whole bunch of money on all these like things when you yeah. can probably take something that you already have and repurpose it for your needs. And, you know, just think outside the box. Exactly. I actually have, have one like that that I did last year when I had my drain as well. And I wanted to take a shower, but I wanted to use both hands to, gently cleanse my body but you know I had nothing to hang this drain on so what I did is I took one of my thongs (laughs) (laughs) I took one of my thongs obviously a clean one and I hung it around my neck and then I attached the drain to the thong and then I was able to use both hands in the shower oh my god that's hilarious but that's exactly what I mean (laughs) repurpose that thong now you had a free hand to wash your body and not you know you you don't have to worry about holding on to something while you're wet and slippery. Yeah. Kind of gets it out of the way and you can focus on what you're doing, which is cleaning yourself. Make yeah, it, yeah. you know, always pat 
for any surgery after your shower, pat your incisions dry. Even if you okay. have the tape over it, pat it dry. Always. Anytime That's it gets wet, pat it dry. Speaking of the tape, so how long does that stay on? So it really depends which tape they go with. And right now I'm spacing on the name of the tape that surgeons use that stays on for eight weeks. Mm -hmm. And what it does is it's a, it's not just like a steri strip. It's a steri strip that helps your scar. So I'll have to tell you guys the next time we talk, when I, we talk to Diana (laughs) again, I'll have to tell you guys the name of the tape because I, it's completely out of my mind. I can't bring it. So but we've all seen it on pictures of after surgeries. There's like this tape that is all over the scar. Yes. Is it like also helping to bind the skin together as well as protecting? <clears throat> so whenever they do a cut for a tummy tuck or any, you know, a mini tummy tuck, they sew on the inside. They sew the layers like they sew their way out. Right. Mm-hmm. And on mm-hmm. the very, very, very surface of the skin, in order to give that really beautiful scar, you don't want marks, stitch marks on those scars. So all of that sewing is done on the inside. And then on the very, very top layer, like just the skin, they put it together and they sometimes they use like Dermabond or they'll use the Steri strips to, you know, bring it all together. And the strips are not keeping it together. They're helping it kind of just stay flat okay got it got it got it yep that makes sense now because otherwise scars can start protruding exactly so well you want that steri strip it's keeping it clean it's keeping a pressure on your incision and it's keeping the incision closed you know it's it is helping but it's not like if that tape is removed your your tummy tuck is not going to fall apart yeah from what i'm hearing from my clients that most of their tummy tuck cars have uh, closed sufficiently by week one. Oh, yeah. Is that true? Yes. Your tummy tuck scars, they heal. We've talked about the healing process and how there's like immediate healing and then there's the long-term healing. So the scars, I think by week, by the end of week one on my tummy tuck scar, the tape that was on my hips was already starting to roll, like Mm -hmm. roll up. And I could see my scar underneath it because for, for my tummy tuck, I had to keep my Steri strip tape on for six weeks because okay. that Steri strip tape is the one that I'm talking about that's very specific to help with scars, to make mm-hmm. uh, minimize scars. And you keep it on until it falls off. No, You don't peel it off. You keep it on until it falls off. So for me, and this is what we always instruct our patients, if it's starting to roll, like if it's starting to come off on certain areas, you just cut the piece that's coming off and you leave the rest of it on. Got it. So when mine started to roll up, I could see my scar underneath it. And I was so happy because I was like, oh my God, this is what my scar is going to look like. This looks amazing. It's just like a thin line. Nice. It really was a thin line. So my tummy tuck scar on my hips to my, from my, the outside of my hips, probably to my, hip bones. So I'm talking about the hips like out here, right? Like where my yeah butt hip and it goes in to my hip bones like over here in the front. Got it. That part of my scar, like I can wear a bathing suit and you can't like you can barely even tell that there's a scar there. Nice. 
Yep. So my surgeon, Dr. Azizi told me I need to bring, I need to arrive to surgery wearing like some of my favorite panties so that he can intentionally place the scar or like draw it onto my skin where the scar will be based on those panties. So that's a little, little tip just in case for any reason your surgeon does not bring that up. You're totally bring that up to them. Yeah. And we, we like to tell our patients, we used to tell them, bring a bathing suit, lingerie, something that you want to wear after surgery that's the style of underwear that you like because the reason why they have you bring it in is because there's different styles so there's patients that like like the underwear that goes up so we have to hide it up in there oh the brazilian Mm, yes like that style and then there's the patients that like to wear like very low underwear so you have to hide the scar low so it just depends on patient to patient what style they like so you can hide it yeah. You know, I actually like a lot of different underwear styles. I really love Brazilian styles and I find myself wearing Brazilian type of swimwear. So like where the hips are cut off really high. I just think it's really cute. Yeah, I um, love it. But I, I, I do also like the regular like low cut underwear. So I'm actually going to bring both. And personally to me, and I've already made that decision for myself and I will communicate that when my surgeon marks me up is I would rather it be a straight line than you know, I've seen some scars that have like a slight, like a wave almost like it goes down and then it goes up again, kind of like Brazilian panties would do. Mm-hmm. So for me personally, although I know I like to wear Brazilian stuff, I would rather have a straight scar than a wavy one. And also there are so many beautiful tattoos that you can put over it to cover it up. There really is. That's why whenever it was time for my tummy tuck, I was like, I don't even care about the scar. Yeah. Because I, I want to look yeah. good in my clothes. Like, I want to look good and feel good in what I'm wearing when I go to work. Yes. You know, be able to wear whatever I want. I'm not, for me, I wasn't dating or I wasn't showing my scar off to anybody other than my partner. So it w- didn't really matter to me. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so now on scars. Yes, because I actually do have a scar question. So this is a great segue. Once your Steri strip, and let's put an asterisk there because we need to find out the name of it. But once your Steri strip started to come off, you said at six weeks for you, what is a really effective way to actually start lightening your scar safely? And when is the earliest you should start? Okay, so for scars, there's two things for scars. You want to monitor the color of your scar and you want to monitor the thickness or if it's raised. So the silicone sheets and the silicone type of protection on scars, that's to help with the thickness and to help with the coloring. So the coloring of a scar, it goes through phases. At first, it's going to be red. It's going to be irritated. It's going to be, you know, that fresh healing red color or Mm -hmm. pink. And as you heal up to a year, it'll go through different shades of red and pink until it goes to your uh, skin color. The reason why some scars are more noticeable is because they weren't protected during that first year, which is when they get Mm. dark. So it's very important to, one, use a silicone sheet to apply pressure so that the scars do not thicken Mm -hmm. and keep it monitored. If you do notice that it's starting to get thicker or you feel like it's getting ropey or raised, talk to your surgeon and they can do something about it. They can start giving you maybe a steroid injection, do something so that it doesn't continue. The color, it's very important for you to protect it from the sun. So. 
Mm, yes, bathing suits outside. If you're going to be out in the sun at all, there needs to be SPF on your scar. SPF. How many months? For the whole year. What? Up to that year. The whole. Yep. Okay. That's what I thought. Up okay. to the year because that whole, that scar is healing. It's changing up to a year. So Got it. the scar final that you see at a year, that's pretty much what it's going to look like. So that whole year, first year, you want to baby it, protect it, put SPF on it, use SPF and UVA, UVB bathing suits that have that extra protection. Oh my God, that exists? Yeah. (laughs) I I, I had no idea. Yeah, there's bathing suits that have extra protection. So Hmm. I know for me specifically, I went out in the sun after my surgery and I did not protect my scars and the scar that was exposed is a lot darker than the mm. one that wasn't. And another thing that I hear a lot is also like with a, with darker skin tones where there is increase in melanin, healing is a little bit different. And then also there can be, you know, certain people are prone to keloid. So you need to definitely be aware of that. And if you know for a fact that you fall into that category, definitely bring that up before your surgery with your surgeon to see what, you know, what they suggest, or if there's maybe a different technique they can do. I don't know, but definitely bring it up. Let your surgeon know. Definitely. And, you know, with scars, with the melanin and the scars and the thickening, that's why it's so important for you to keep going to your doctor visits when they're telling you, come back and see me in four weeks, come back and see me in three months. They're monitoring your scars, they're monitoring your healing. So if there is any, you know, signs that it's going to keloid, they can prevent it before it starts. Yes. Yeah. I've also, you know, I'm a researcher, me and Google, but silicone gel, what's your, what's your opinion on that? I hear that supposedly works really well too. I have a brand, I have a product that I love, which is biocornium. It's a silicone gel and it's, you know, I noticed a big improvement in my scars from my breast reduction. When I started using it, I noticed a reduction and on my tummy tuck scar. I noticed a reduction on the uh, coloring. It just looked flatter. Biocornium. Biocornium. Where do you buy it? You can, I think you can find it on Amazon. Okay. Ooh, I love Amazon. All right. I'm going to look. Silicone gel. Wrote it down. Fabulous. Love so it. for scars, okay. you want to protect the thickness and the color. In order for them to be not noticeable, they can't be dark. So protecting them from the sun is very, very important. Okay. Yeah, that's that's good advice. And I also really, I think we need to re-highlight the fact that don't judge your scar until that one year mark, especially if you're doing all the things that you're supposed to be doing. Don't get down on yourself or, or frustrated about your scar not being where you want it to be. Allow it to heal that one year. And it really the same thing applies for plastic surgery in general. I like to always say don't judge your results until you hit that three month mark. And mind you, at three months, you're still recovering quite a bit. But don't get you know, frustrated or depressed too early. Look forward to what's to come because it will get better. It'll get better. You have to trust the process. There's still a lot of healing going on. Even though you might feel great, you might feel like you're back to normal. Your body's still recovering. It's kind of like after you have a baby and your body's like takes a year to get back to where it was. And it's the same thing. Your body is healing. There's a lot of chemistry happening And we just need to trust the process and do our part. Yep. Agreed. So two final big important points to address. Let's start with massages. When you have a tummy tuck, 
how soon is it safe to start? Because liposuction, you can start pretty much right away because it's a different procedure. What about tummy tuck? So for a tummy tuck, you can pretty much start right away too. It's not very much different. The one thing that I think we cannot overlook is making sure that the provider that you are going to is experienced and trained for your specific needs. So mm. you cannot get a massage, you know, post-op day two or three for your tummy tuck at Massage Heights or, you know, one of those chain <laughs> massage places. Like massage Envy. <laughs> massage Envy. It needs to be somebody who is trained in that particular line of work because it's mm -hmm. not taught in school. But post-op care, plastic surgery post-op care is not taught in, in massage therapist school. That's, yeah. that's stuff that needs to be learned, continuing education. So your provider is, you know, taking extra steps to be able to provide this service, this service for you. If you're having to ask them, do you do lymphatic drainage massages and they don't know what you're saying? That's probably not the right provider for you. Let's keep looking. So yeah. with that said, the right uh, provider who knows what they're doing can touch your post-op tummy tuck body i would say probably at a, three to four days a week because you're gonna well for a full tummy tuck you're a mini i would say a few mm -hmm. days because it's the, yeah. they're so gentle and they're, it's not like a post-op massage for there's there's different types of massages so there's the one where they're trying to drain all the fluid out of the incisions like for liposuction and then there's the massage where they're sweeping the liquid into your lymphatic system. So mm -hmm. I know for me personally, when I had my uh, breast reduction, normally people were like, why do you need a massage after a breast reduction? It's not, you know, there's no fluid in there. It's not like a tummy tuck. And to that, I say, uh, yes, you do. You any any type of procedure that you're having on your body, whether it be your breast or your face, your tummy, your butt, your legs. If there's inflammation and swelling happening, you need to have a massage because those massages help that swelling go away. So for me personally, when I had my tummy tuck, I did my first massage at a week and then I was doing them every week for, I think I ended up doing like eight or nine. For my breast, I only did about four, but mm -hmm. from that first time that she did my breast massage, let me tell y'all, it felt like a trickle of water fell into my underarm. And I thought, I asked my <gasps> massage therapist, I asked her, what? I asked her, did I have, is there like, like I thought liquid was on my skin or like coming out of me onto the table. And it wasn't, it was just like going into my lymphatic system. It was the craziest thing. I had ever experienced because wow. I did I had never felt that before. It felt like fluid was coming out of like flowing, trickling. I almost heard it. Crazy. But that is crazy. So I would say so, a week. Okay. And again, this is this is one of those things that I strongly recommend. Ask your surgeon pre op this question. Oh yes, so that you can absolutely. Be because in general with massage specifically post-op massages. So individuals who are actually trained in lymphatic drainage and so forth, you can't just be like, hey, okay, I just had surgery. Can you come see me today? 
it's not going to happen. You have to be very proactive about that. So ask that question of your surgeon when you have your pre-op appointment before the surgery. So you can, as soon as you have the answer, book your massage therapist sessions. And I know Dr. Azizi says three weeks for tummy tuck patients. So I will follow his instructions as always. Of but course, again, always follow your, so doctor, your doctor's instructions. Exactly. So it's so important to ask that question and, and be prepared and know know what, what's going to be ahead of you in that in that realm. And then the last but not least, let's talk about the Fajas because, you know, that's, <laughs> that's important. <laughs> so tell me about your experience. Like, did you wake up in a binder? Did you wake up in a stage one? So boards, foams, all that fun stuff. Okay. So my experience, like I told you, the practice that I, where I had my surgery, they had a technique for their post-op recovery, which was you wake up in your faja. They put yep. your faja on while you're still under anesthesia. So when I woke up after my surgery, I was already in it. I got loaded into the car and brought home already, like just take her home, let her take a nap, you know, let her start recovering. I did not have to change into my faja after. And there's two, you know, ways I think we've talked about this. Like some surgeons put you in it right away. Some surgeons put you in a binder. It really depends, you know, what their preference is. I was in a, in a stage one from the moment I woke up until about three weeks and then at three weeks, I moved into a stage two. Yep. So that's pretty much what I anticipated being again for me. Also with Dr. Azizi, again, you want to ask before your surgery, ask your surgeon. I woke up from my first round already in my stage one. He actually, I brought my foams with me and asked him uh, in one of my pre-op appointments if I can bring them so that he can stuff them in there for me. He did. So I woke up, you know, wrapped in my stage one and foams inside of it. And I was ready to go home. And I, he even put, Pretty sure I already had a cami underneath as well. Like everything was exactly the way it needed to be. And I did not shower. I know. So again, this is something you want to ask though, because now that you heard that other people have this experience like that, and this is how some surgeons do it, ask the question to find out how your surgeon does it so that you're prepared and you know what to expect. Exactly. And I know I've said this before, it's better for your surgeon to lead you in the way he wants you to take care of your post-op care than for you to lead your surgeon. So this is why I tell you guys it's important. You're interviewing them as much as they're interviewing you during that initial consultation. You know, it's okay for you to meet with the surgeon and pay a consultation fee and then decide, hey, this, this guy's not the right one for me. I know a lot of patients, you know, struggle with that idea, but it's like dating, you have to find the right match. And you do. You, you know, it's you're swiping, swipe, 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 swipe until you find the right one. And then you're like, okay, and this is it. I hear people being upset about consultation fees, but what you need to think about is these people, these surgeons, their time is extremely valuable. So you're paying money for their time. So while, yes, you're paying $100, $150, which I'm seeing as like the average consultation fee. You, you may be paying that money, but if you're going with that surgeon, that will get applied to your surgery. Usually they'll cost. apply it to your cost. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. Usually, exactly. I can't speak for everyone, but that's what I have seen so far. And if not, you probably learned something new and you've gained an experience. So you paid money for that experience. And, and you, okay. you're learning. And, you know, let me tell you, when in 2011, consultation fees weren't even a thing. 
back then. It wasn't until I think more and more and more doctors were like, patients are scheduling appointments and they're not showing up. Right. It's and such a waste it's of time. such a waste of time. You guys, I've been, I had a surgeon and this was when, before we had consultation fees. I worked with a surgeon and I remember one day we had like a full day of consultations and maybe half of them showed up. Mm. And it is like for the surgeon, he's like, I could have been in surgery. Exactly. Or I could have been spending time with my family, which is also very important. So it's not just that you're wasting their time, like you're taking time away from them to do other things. So, yeah, I understand, you know, it feels like you're paying for nothing, but you're not paying for nothing. You're paying for their opinion. You're paying for their expertise because most of the surgeons who are charging a consultation fee are giving you their time. If you if they're yes. charging you a consultation fee and you don't even get to talk to them, do not. That's not going to fly with me. If you're yeah, paying a consultation that, a fee. Story. Yeah. If you're paying a consultation surgeon fee. Show up. <laughs> yeah. I want like if I'm paying a consultation fee, you better talk to me for an hour. If I'm paying you for, sure. for an hour of your time or whatever it is, most of the time it's an hour. If I'm paying for an hour of your time, you better give me the hour. I'm not paying $150 or $200 for a virtual consultation with your coordinator. I'm sorry. Absolutely not. No, no. And I know there's places doing that and that's not the place for me. And that might... Mind you, same. (laughs) Yeah. Same. If I had actually one of my consultations when I, before I stumbled upon my surgeon was at a place where I only spoke to the surgical coordinator. I'm like, what the heck is this? Yeah. Like, this is not... I didn't drive an hour to come here to talk to you. No offense. Sorry. I'm sure you're great and you're very knowledgeable, but you're not going to cut me open. So I need to talk to the person that's going to do the actual work. Yeah, absolutely. That's so so key. To me, me, that would, that's a big turnoff and a red flag. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I know I had this conversation, you know, over the last few weeks with people who have reached out to me and they're seeing a specific surgeon all over social media and they want to see him. But one, he has like a $250 consultation fee and you don't get to talk to him. It's just for him to evaluate your pictures and tell you if he'll do your surgery or not. And Mm. that to me, it just feels like I like a personal touch. My it, it feels a little cocky there. Yeah, it feels cocky. It feels like assembly line. Yeah. And I don't like that feel. I want to feel like you care about me and my results and my outcome. Yes. And I want to feel, you know, a connection with my surgeon. You know, we are essentially trusting these surgeons with our lives because we're literally out of it and they have all the power. Exactly. So you want to make sure you choose the right one that you can trust with your life. Exactly. And I've said it before. I've said it on Instagram. I've said it here. I think I've said it everywhere. You should not be meeting your surgeon the morning of your surgery and then never seeing him again. I know it's happening. Mm. I know it's happening out of the country. I know it's happening here in the country in specific states. But just because it's happening doesn't mean it's right or that it should be happening. Well said. Well said. And I I was actually going to say that on about something else. Just because you can do liposuction 
doesn't mean you should do liposuction. You should. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> like I, I exactly. had, I, I've been having patients send me doctors that they're considering on Instagram. They're like, hey, let me check this out for me. And I'll look at their pictures at the before and after pictures on their Instagrams. And I'm like, this is terrible. How did this... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this I guy? yeah i have definitely seen those too yeah so just because they can doesn't mean they should yeah with liposuction and with anything so just because it's happening you know in other states and other other people are experiencing it doesn't mean it's right so yeah. i want you guys to get your consultation before surgery of course don't show up blindly meeting the surgeon the day of even if it means you're paying $5,000 versus $13,000 because let me tell you, and that's just, or that's just numbers coming out of my mind. Let me tell you that the amount of difference that you feel mm. in your journey is, is worth that money. It is. You, I mean, you, uh, Diana, you can uh, attest to this because you see people who have that $5,000 surgery and the people yep. who have the $20,000 surgery, the $30,000 yep. surgery. So, you know, I think that's a really interesting topic that we'll have to unload in yes, a whole episode. I, <laughs> yes, I can't wait. I can't wait. That'll be a, a really good one, I think. But so I for agree. now, do you have the answers that you were looking for? Totally. I think I think this was great. And I think this will actually help others as well who are currently researching this. I mean, personally, I already know my surgeon. So I... I couldn't be more excited. Yay. Already, I'm so excited I, 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 for you. I can't wait to see it. And you guys are going to hear from me, I guess, around what, four, five, six, seven days post-op, depending on how I feel. Yeah. We'll see how you feel. Depending how you feel, I'm sure you're going to be one of those that's like, I feel like great. This is nothing. I, I to hope the first so. I, one. Well, n- my first one was great too. I mean, the first day two, day three, day four were the hardest, but I had no complications or issues. So We'll see. I, you know, you never know. You know, sometimes when you have two kids, the first birth was a breeze. The second one was the devil. Who knows? That's true. I, I, you're I, right. No you're right. Knowing, so we will see. I'll but... keep. I'll keep close tabs on you. I'll check on you every day. Make sure you're Thank good. You. Stock your Thank fridge. You. Make sure you have <laughs> enough water in the house. Oh yeah, I'm meal prepping. I'm gonna meal prep a zucchini cream soup Perfect. that I will just eat on and snack on throughout the day, and I'll have some. Uh, what are those called? The protein shakes that you can buy at Costco. Yeah. Protein and shakes. Those waters. Make sure you fill yeah. your prescriptions. I'm sending you yep. your bruise juice today. So you'll have you. everything. And for bruise juice, here's the hack. Put it in the refrigerator. Keep it in the oh, refrigerator. Oh, I love that. Yep. Oh, yes. I Keep love it that. in the refrigerator. And then when you use it, oh my God. Imagine that cold sensation on that fresh lipo skin like that feeling it's so relieving of the pain and that that you know tenderness and soreness i can't wait i'm so excited for you to try it and tell our listeners about it yes absolutely i can't wait either and actually when i had my chin lipo i had one of those you know those gross quartz rollers the face rollers Uh uh-huh i kept that i kept that one in the fridge too and I massaged my chin with that every day and it felt absolutely heavenly. Yes. Much better than just keeping it uh, at room temperature. So much better. So secret hack, keep your bruise juice in the refrigerator and between uses. So when you use it, it's cold and oh my God, it feels mm. so good. 
I'm excited. I've, I've heard so many great things about Bruce Juice. So I'm very excited about Yay. it. Yay. All right, Diana. I think that <laughs> I think we can wrap it up and you guys will hear her and well, you'll hear from her again now, but I'll hear from her again <laughs> in a couple of weeks. Sounds good. Thank you, Marvi. You're welcome. It. I would like to end this episode with a huge thank you to all of our listeners. If you enjoyed this podcast, make sure to subscribe to Big Butts No Lies Podcast and follow us on Instagram at Big Butts No Lies Podcast. If you have a topic you want me to cover, please send it to the DM. If you know anyone on their plastic surgery journey, be sure to recommend them the show. You can also visit us on our website, bigbuttsnolies.com. You'll see the online surgical recovery store. We're adding new items all the time. If there's something you think I need to have on there, send me a DM. (laughs) Don't forget to leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. And don't forget, new episodes every Monday. I'll see you then.